Welcome to Woman's Zone, connecting women through their stories. The book Women of Soil Changing Lives is a collaboration between two NPOs, Woman's Zone and Soil for Life, who this year, 2022, celebrate their 10th and 20th anniversaries, respectively. While with food security and the environment both severely threatened, it's intended to inspire readers to grow their own food, to protect their own well-being and the planet. But primarily, the book shares the stories of 10 women who've become food gardeners at home. The Woman's Own team went to visit them in their various communities to listen to what they had to say. And amongst them was Natasha Delieu from Retreat, who herself has grown from beginner gardener to a soil-for-life trainer. Hi there, I'm Natasha Delieu from the Retreat area. And the first time I started going workshops with Pat Featherston was from 2013 when I really, really learned about planting because I had no knowledge at all and Pat really taught us from how to treat our soil and how seeds grow and how plants grow and how the environment really needs us as warriors you know, to, to save the earth and from that time when I started with Soil for Life, everything just changed. My whole perspective of life changed. How to eat healthy, how to live healthy, how to work with the soil, even working with animals. That really opened up my mind that animals is living beings as well. It's not just there as to keep as a pet and, you know, to abuse. So you need to love animals, you need to love the environment, you need to love the soil that you even walk on because the soil is alive and that is something that most of us don't even know, that the soil is alive under our feet. And what I really also loved about Pat is that she didn't just say something, she showed us physically how things grow, what to do. She even gave us some stuff to bring home and practice the stuff at home. If it was seed saving, if it was sprouting, if it was making your own compost, which was something completely new to me as well. I didn't even know what compost was. And when I started making my own compost, and I thought, I used to throw away all these vegetable peels, newspaper, toilet roll tubes, egg box. I used to throw all this stuff away, but now I can go into a compost to feed the soil, and it minimizes my waste to a, like a quarter of what I used to put out every week. So I, instead of putting my bin out every week, it only goes out once a month. Yep. Even once a month, it was still very little because even the plastic we, we learned to recycle chips packets by making eco bricks, you know, and, and that really made me um, realize that Earth needs each and every soul to help start planting each and every space that we've got. Start using vegetables from the garden instead of going to the shop every time. And that even saved me a lot of money because I was unemployed that time when I started to soil for life. And instead of running to the shop every time with my money, I could just run to the garden and pick tomatoes, pick onions, get some spinach and make a pot of food. I also learned how to eat without cooking with meat. And meat is so expensive. So now today I don't need to worry about 
meat prices that's going up because I can cook without meat, which is so amazing and it's so healthy. I can actually feel the difference in my body. I have more energy, which when I was eating a lot of meat, I was slumpy and I was just, I had no energy. I was just wanted to lay down every time. But now just cooking with vegetables and not a lot of meat and no no oil at all, I have a lot of energy. I can teach the community as well. I'm also starting to get my son involved in eating healthy and he just loves it because he didn't know that eating food without meat was possible. <laughs> yes, and that was that was amazing and I, I teach him also how to cook and sprout even in with the planting when we started with a garden program. My son used to do my seed boxes for me and he was so proud as soon as he sees the plants coming up and he said, Mommy, this is a mine. So he completely just claimed the whole seed box <laughs> and I didn't make another one because I don't have a lot of space. So I'm like, okay, you can, now I give you a little bit of responsibility when it starts with gardening. So now he knows how to sow seeds, how to take care of a seed box and how to transplant. So I show him and I guide him and he just loves it. He can he even introduce the program to one of his youth friends. He was in the retreat youth club, and one of the te- one of the teachers from the club approached me and asked, "Can't I come and do a demonstration or talk about vegetable plants?" And I went to take it further. So I told them and I showed the, the youth how to plant, and I couldn't believe that some of the youth didn't know what the tomato plant is. They just thought you'd go by to the shop and that's it. They never knew tomatoes grew on a plant. Yes, even um, one of my son's teachers, when she, when my son told the teacher that um, we grow beans at, our, at home, so she's like, how do you grow beans? And I was fascinated that the teacher doesn't know how to grow a bean. And I had to go and explain to the teacher that that demonstration that they do with the cotton wool or the bean, that it grows into a plant and there's more beans that grow. So there's food that's growing from that one bean. So, yes, I, I just, I love the ripple effect that it gives. I don't just the knowledge, don't just stay with me. I have the responsibility now to spread the knowledge. And I tell whoever I touch with this knowledge, I tell them now it's your responsibility as well. Even if you just teach one person, and then that one person takes it further on. And that's what I just love, that every soul has this knowledge about gardening, about changing this perspective about the environment and that there's no more dumping in the areas, that they know picking up a piece of paper and throwing it in a bin and cleaning up around them, it's their responsibility and not just waiting on the government to do it and say, okay, the council can clean there. You know, so, so each and every one of us um, has that responsibility and knows that the environment is our responsibility as well, yes. Yeah, the responsibility 
Uh, but they have the ability. Yeah, you know, they, exactly. they can. Most people have the, or many people have the ability. Gosh, Natasha, that's really quite a story. That's uh, it's quite emotional. Uh, how old is your son? My son is 16 at the moment, so he's turning 17. Right. It's a good age to be taking that responsibility because he has the yes. ability. But, you know, it's interesting. It's almost like you're learning a whole new language. It's like yes. a whole new way of life. And you say that you had absolutely no knowledge of gardening. Nothing. So in your family growing up, no nothing. garden, nothing at all? Nothing at all. But my mother didn't even have a garden. She didn't know nothing. So she never taught us. Um, about gardening or anything so I just saw people growing plants and I just thought that you must have that like born with the knowledge that was I thought like people say you were bo born with green fingers so I thought like I didn't have green fingers but the knowledge that I that saw for life gave me it's not just you know, you know green fingers my whole body basically started becoming green because my mind was changed my heart was changed my whole body like my hands if I touch a plant then I feel that in my whole body I'm not, if I walk on the soil then I know how the soil feels if it's too hot if it's wet so it's really um, life changing but, you know, the other thing one feels very... Uh, you're talking about the teacher who didn't know how things grew. It's, it's just a bit shocking. Here. Yes. But I think a lot of us imagine that there are farmers and they have lots and lots of land and they have tractors and they have plows and they have all the things that they need and they have money. Mm. But actually, I think the whole principle that you're working on is home food gardening. Yes. So you yourself have a very small space. Yes. So just how does one manage to produce enough in a very tiny place? So what I was taught was is to use the minimal space that you have, plant what you what you are eating in the house, and not plant stuff that you don't eat or how can I say that you're not going to use, and then also use even the vertical space like on a, a wall. You can plant up there. Also companion planting. So companion planting was something also very new to me. I was just thinking, okay, if you plant a lot of cabbages, that was it. But I never knew if you plant cabbages and then you plant garlic or onions in between, they actually help each other. And that was amazing to me that I never knew that plants help each other. So the, 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 the strong smelling plants like herbs and onions and garlic, they help fight off pests from the cabbage and also the cabbage is a heavy feeder and the onions is not a heavy feeder so they are different families basically so they help each other by not the one taking too much and the other one you know, so yes that was also very 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 new to me and especially in a small little if you have a little planter box you have to think about space as well mm -hmm. so you can't just plant one thing and when you need something else and then you don't have the space so yes that was something that I really took on with my little space that I have because I'm only renting it mm -hmm. as well yes 
it's all in the title, isn't it? Soil for Life. And mm. It's all about the soil. Yeah. And you talk a lot about the compost. I mean, first of all, you have to get some soil, some earth, some dirt as a base, but then you have to feed it. Yes. Um, and the compost, is, is that not something that you need big areas to make compost, bins and all sorts of chemicals? How do you, how do you make compost? So what I do is because I have very little space, I have a small dirt bin. So every week I throw in green waste like my vegetable scraps and then the next time then I put in dry, dry material like dry grass, dry branches, dry leaves, even newspaper or cardboard or whatever natural material that I have, I will put in one green layer, one dry layer, and that is how I was taught with a little bit of water, maybe for moisture, or if you have manure, you make a little slurry just to decompose the material in the bucket. And what I thought was sometimes we don't have the, the, the strength, so we mix the yes yeah so what we do is we when when the bucket is full then we like like you're stirring it you give it a little stir to activate the organisms from the compost maybe that was at the bottom so as they come up they will does the juices will go down and then from will feed again from the top to the bottom. So what we do is uh, when it's completely decomposed, uh, we feed it into the soil. So I always ask my neighbors if they don't have vegetable scraps or if they have any um, toilet roll tubes or stuff to put into yeah. because... My little bit in my kitchen is just too little to make compost. So my neighbors also get involved. And if they maybe need spinach or they need green onion or they need uh, tomatoes, then I give them because they help me with making compost as well, definitely. It's a real community story. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so how often are you able to get something from your garden? I mean, do you make do you do it so that there's always something in season? How, how do you plan it? So if we go about our seasons, so we get winter and summer and autumn and spring. So each season we have um, certain plants and say summer comes up, tomatoes, lettuce, cucumbers, those stuff, we plant only what's in season. And we only plant what we need in the house. So I won't plant stuff that we don't eat. We only plant the minimal of stuff. So we don't plant like 10 of one specific plant because it will be too much and then the space won't be enough. So I will plant maybe three or four plants and then if it's extra then I will give it to the community or even sell it a little bit just to get some finances in the house and then buy electricity for instance with that money. And as the season changes, our plants also change. So then we know that it's getting a bit colder or it's getting a bit hotter. So our plants also have to change because there's certain plants that can't handle the cold or then certain plants that can't handle the heat. And that was also a very, very eye-opening for me because I never knew that, that plants 
go with the seasons. And I experienced um, when I started off, I could see that when summer finishes, then I could see some of the plants also start dying back. And then I learned, no, it's starting to finish now. And then I harvest what I can from the plant and then take the plant out and refresh the soil with some more compost and then plant in something newer again, yes. <laughs> it sounds like it's been a real learning curve. Yes. But, you know, you make it sound wonderful. You make it sound very easy. And, and now that with all this wisdom that you've got over the years, it's wonderful. But I'm thinking there must have been some serious challenges. There must be things when you... Oh, I mean, you mentioned a pest there yes. or the, some pests. But what have been the real challenges? My real challenges is definitely pests because planting organically without pesticides was for me completely new and for me it looked like the organic way was too mild for the pests. So I, I saw pests that I never saw before like aphids which is a plant lice and mealybugs and caterpillars pests that I never saw and I first never knew how to deal with it and then I would just see that the whole plant was eaten up or this whole plant was infested. With disappointing. It. Yes, exactly. Then I just want to pull the whole thing out because what I felt was like, I can't eat a plant with pest on. <laughs> so I, I learned how to make natural pesticides with vinegar, white vinegar, and um, some bicarb also we used, and a little sunlight soap grated in water and then we to spray that every day on the plant and so that way we prevent pests coming to the plants so it's like changing the, the smell of the plant and that is one thing that I learned because the pests go after the smell they don't recognize the plant as on the leaf or how it looks. They go after the smell. So if we spray that, it changes the smell of the plant. If they don't recognize the plant, then they will be deterred. So that's one thing that Pat taught us. Instead of killing, we deter. Because, yes, we're going to need that caterpillars later in life to become butterflies and become our pollinators. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, so that was one thing. I used to first just kill off the the caterpillars then said no don't kill the caterpillars I'll just remove them and put them somewhere else you know um, and we need the butterflies yeah. definitely to do our pollinators pollinating and bees as well I was terrified if I used to see a bee I used to run a mile but now I know if a bee is around me I must just be calm sit down and let the bee first do his business in the garden and when he's done then I can go into the garden Yes. Yeah, gosh, so many lessons from insects, eh? But so many lessons from people. And, and again, I can see that you are, you're so impassioned that it's easy to be taken up with what you're saying. But there must be people who are a bit um, resistant. I'm thinking, I think you started with a group of 15. Now you work with lots of people. Mm. Do, you find, do you find that people sort of roll their eyes and think, oh, not a child, I'm far too impatient. I'd rather just go to the shop and buy my tomatoes. How do, how do people respond to what you say? A lot of people is resistant in the beginning when we when I start telling them about the program because when the year that they have to go and dig maybe from the soil or they have to lift maybe a compost bag, they don't want any hard labor. 
you know, they were resistant to that hard labor because they're just used to laying around and just going to the shop and get something. It's easy for them, you know, and it's no labor involved. But if I tell them that the health benefits of growing your own, for instance, tomato, and the, the difference of taste, so they will they will taste my tomato from my theory for compared to the tomato from the shop. Then they can actually say, but the homegrown tomato is sweeter. The tomato from the shop tastes like water. Even the carrots as well. I take tomatoes or I take carrots or stuff from my garden and then I tell them, this is how a homegrown taste. This has got all the nutrients, all the benefits that your body needs compared to a shop board that's been laying in the shop for maybe a week and every day it lays there, it loses nutrients. So you're basically eating something that's completely empty. It's like eating air. That's how I explain to them. It's like eating air. And there's no nutrients for your body in that shop board and compared to your own ground. And then what I always do is when people do join the program and they first see the plant coming up from the seed and they get excited. They never saw a seed before, never seen a plant come up from a seed. So they are so excited and I tell them, yes, that is your babies. And when I tell them, this is your babies, you need to treat this as your children, they are so fascinated and they say, wow, we never thought of it as this is a living being that we are handling now. We don't just pull plants out or chuck it inside or get about it in the corner. We are handling with living beings now. So I always tell them, if it's hot, well, you put your child in the sun without any clothes on. It's going to scorch the, 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 the skin of the baby. So the same with your plants. Put a little sun hat on or put a, some shade on there. If it's raining and it's a lot of wind, you won't put your child outside. Protect your, your, your plants as well. So that is how I teach people. I always compare human beings to plants. So I tell them also, if you plant something, you must feed your plants like you're feeding your children as well. You, ch- you can't leave your child without food for a week. And even if you take them to the clinic, they tell you, come for the boosters every month. They must get the boosters or vaccin- vaccinations and stuff like that. The same with the plant. The plant needs to be boosted every week because it takes up a lot of nutrients from the soil. And now it needs, again, the next week it needs more so that is how I encourage my home gardeners that this is loving beings that you are working with. So if you love your children, your grandchildren, love your plants the same. And then they will feed you back. Yes. Yeah, what you put in is what you get back. Just lastly, it's, it's, it really is an inspiration listening to you because um, I think there's so much that can be done and it just changes your whole way of thinking, your whole way of life. Clearly it has done for you over the last goodness knows how many years. What is your dream? What Do you have a dream that's related to, to this at all? Definitely. My dream is to have somewhere in the area and my community have a big piece of plot. I'm not sure if it's finance involved, but I would like to start a, a vegetable garden for the community. So I'm... I don't know 
I'm going to start but that is my dream also from that vegetable we grow I want to feed the community so there's a lot of um, seniors that are just sitting at home and also mothers that don't have work I would like to get them involved and also take so they can take some of the vegetables home and feed their family or the food that we cook I want to feed the community with that vegetable so that is my dream that I want to do Natasha, may your dream come true. You're well on the way. Bless you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very, very much, Nancy.